This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. A long, long time ago, I can still remember 1998. That was the year that I had the great joy of getting to go on what is known as a clergy familiarization tour of the Holy Land. It's designed so that they take clergy to the Holy Land on the cheap. And I called it the Run Where Jesus Walk tour of the Holy Land. <laughs> you go super fast through all the holy sites. You look at hotels as well, where you might choose, once you get home, to organize a pilgrimage and bring 25 or 50 of your parishioners back to the Holy Land. So it's a cheap way to go. And plus, I was the rector of a parish, and we were talking about a trip to the Holy Land. So it seemed like a good plan. I packed up. As I was leaving our pretty little country house up in McKinney, my five-year-old son, Colton, came to me and said, Dad, are you going to Bethlehem? I said, I am going to Bethlehem. He said, will you bring me a present? I said, sure, I'll bring you a present. What do you want from Bethlehem? He said, I want some hay from the manger. <laughs> I said, it's been a minute since that story happened. I'll see what I can do, right? So we travel, we get there. My friend David, who was an Episcopal priest in the neighboring town, he and I were traveling companions. We got there, we met with the guide and the other 14 or 15 other clergy who were on this trip from around the country. And they were telling us what we we're gonna do and then they were asking if we had any questions. Is there anything in particular you want to see or you need while you're here? <laughs> I raised my hand. I said, my five-year-old son has asked me to bring some hay from the manger. And of course, the clergy all laugh, but the guide looked at me very seriously, stroked his chin and said, we can do that. It's <laughs> like, so, this is going to be a better trip than I expected. <laughs> so the next day when we're there, we're getting ready to get on the bus to go on our first tour. There were about 15 of us, and it was clear that about half of them we're in a position where they might actually bring pilgrims back to the Holy Land. The other half were long-retired clergy who had taken this opportunity to make their own pilgrimage to the Holy Land in a way that they could afford. So we got on the bus together. The guide tells us where we're going today. He says, about a 45-minute bus ride, so just relax. We sit down, and then, uninvited, a retired Methodist pastor from Georgia named Harold stood up, went to the front of the bus, held on to the beam, and took up the microphone and said, okay, friends, since we're obviously going to be on the bus for a while, I think we should sing some hymns. And he breaks into, shall we gather at the river? I looked at my friend David. He looked at me. David says, kill him or love him? I didn't answer quickly. I had to think about that. <laughs> but I decided the optics would not be great if we killed a fellow clergy person on a tour of the Holy Land. <laughs> so I said, love him. Turns out it was a good thing we said love him because our friend Harold, we discovered after a sight or two, was not really ready to travel alone. He needed some help. He was not very stable. And so David and I kind of became his pal. 
and we walked with him and we helped him get over thresholds and up and down stairs, back and forth onto the bus, make sure he didn't drink the water he pulled out of the Jordan River and instead drank the water from his actual water bottle, that kind of thing. So we finally make our way to Bethlehem and we go, we're getting ready to go down into the grotto, which is, which is purportedly the cave in which Jesus was born. And it's old and, and ancient stairs that go down in there. They're uneven. So David, who is much larger than I, got in front of Harold. We put Harold between us. And, I, and Harold had his hands on David's shoulders. And I had him by the jacket. And we got him down the stairs. And as we got down, it was darker and darker. There were candles. There were lights. There was brocade things hanging around. And then you could hear singing. And it was several different languages singing Silent Night together. As we went down and got closer, we were singing along Silent Night quietly. And we got to the place where you go and see the actual spot. And this kind of feels almost like a fireplace hearth. sort of. And you have to bend down. And it was better, actually, if you could get on the ground and just scoot in there and see the six-point silver star on the place where Jesus was born. So I went in and I looked at it. And I'll confess to you, it felt rather mechanical and odd. And once I was in there looking at it, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Now that I was in there, said a quick prayer, made my way out, and we helped Harold get to the ground. And he insisted on being on his knees and on the ground. And we helped him, and he scooted into the place. He was kneeling directly over this six-pointed star, and the tears began to flow. He just began to weep. And his tears blended with the tears of countless other pilgrims who had cried over that spot. And he said, it was right here. It was right here. This is the place he was born. He was overwhelmed and he said it over and over. And he said, I've been preaching about this for 65 years. This is it. This is the place. I was far more moved by how it affected Harold than by how it affected me. And we backed Harold out and got him back up the stairs. And, and then somewhere else along the place, David and I were talking about him. And now all of a sudden, we really did love Harold. For all of his idiosyncrasies and all of his over-the-top, you know Methodists, they're over-the-top. <laughs> he was a very emotional man, I'll just say that. But if Harold loved anything in the world, it was Jesus. And it was so evident. And it overwhelmed him to be in the very place where this had happened. And it connected to all the years that he had been preaching and all the stories he had told. Later, somewhere in the trip, and honestly, to be honest, I've forgotten which town and which church because we were running. And, but we went to some other church, went in, and there was a wedding going on. And so we had to be, we were hushed, and we had to walk around the corner and trying to make our way to side chapels and see all the things without disturbing the bride and groom. And David, who had gone on before, comes scurrying back and he scurries around and he makes his way back through the flow of people. He says, Chuck, Chuck, I found something you need to see. It's like, all right, let's go. So we kind of quickly made our way around and we go to this side chapel where is the tackiest, most garish altar I've ever seen. And it was a huge 
plastic or plaster, not sure, statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary in her cerulean blue with a light over her head and an altar with a clear plexiglass cover. And right underneath the altar is an equally plastic or plaster Jesus about this long lying on a bed of hay. <laughs> so he said, maybe we could steal some of this hay. <laughs> I said, you know, it'd be bad for him to kill a brother, a clergy person, and also bad for him to go to jail for stealing hay. So I said, no, but I want to take a picture of this, because we were laughing about it. It was wonderful. It was just a sweet thing. So I get down, and I kneel at the altar, and I got out my camera. Y'all remember what those were, cameras, right? And I picked up the camera, and I got the whole thing in the viewfinder with the plastic baby Jesus and Mary. You remember I was Baptist, right? So this was interesting for me. So I'm looking through, and then the tears began to roll. It hit me as hard as it had hit Harold over that star. I began to weep. I began to weep. And I thought to myself, maybe there's a mistake. Maybe historians are wrong. Maybe it's not where that silver star wears where it happened. Maybe it was right here. It was right here where God's love crashed into the world. It was right there that day for me. Why was it so emotional? I don't know. All the times I've told this story and all the times I've preached about it myself as a priest, not nearly as long as Harold, but long enough. And it was all the emotion, of course, of being a father of two little boys and leaving Chris at home with those two little boys while I was gone. All the things. It was right there. God's love crashed into the world. I wonder where right there is for you. Where did God's love come crashing into your world? Where do you say, it was right here where he was born? Right here. Maybe it's all the times you've come to church on Christmas Eve. Maybe it's been this church every single time and you're trying to tolerate the fact that we're not in historic church. Maybe it's other churches around the world, around the country, other places where you gathered with believers and the lighting was just right and the music was just right and you held a candle and it was right there where love crashed into the world. Or maybe it's at home. Maybe your little chicks like mine have all come back to roost for a few days and you have a competition for who can make the ugliest Christmas cookie. And it's right there where the love of God crashed into the world. Or maybe it's not sweet. Maybe it's not romantic. Maybe recently you found out that someone you have loved deeply died unexpectedly and you have been filled with painful grief that has loaded you down. And you're lucky to even be here tonight. It was right then that love crashed into the world. Or maybe you yourself have been to a doctor recently and gotten a diagnosis that caught you completely by surprise. 
was right then. The love crashed into the world. Maybe you're going to go home with the crowd tonight. Maybe you're going to go home all by yourself. Whichever it is, sometime just before you drift off to sleep, right then, right then, when God's love crashed into the world. Or maybe it was, maybe you're hanging out with Jacob this week. Jacob and a group of, I think it's called the Austin Youth Collective. And a group from several different organizations were not pleased with the pace in which the city was responding to the needs of our unhoused neighbors in the face of a terribly cold forecast. I don't think Jacob even asked. He just told Kristen, we're coming in and we're going to be the command center right here. So all week, this week, Jacob and a group of friends and Kristen burning the candle at every end. It was sticking out. Our section staff all helping with this command center. Uncountless, countless numbers of blankets and sleeping bags and sweaters and hats and food and going out to various places where homeless neighbors are sleeping a little warmer. And it's right then that the love of Christ came crashing into the world. It doesn't have to be beautiful and romantic. As a matter of fact, it was anything but because the time came for Mary to deliver her child. And she had her firstborn son named Jesus. She wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger. As pretty as we've made the manger, the manger was a food trough for animals. There is no happy news in this story. This is the hardest way it's possible to deliver a child. And it is right there that love crashed into the In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.